Blog Talk Radio. Hello there. Tonight's episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete is brought to you by Gotham Sports Network, a new great place for New York sports blog and opinion. The guys are doing everything there, all New York sports and pop culture, some great entries every day, so go check it out. Go to GothamSN.com. That's GothamSN.com, and go see what these guys have going on. Gotham Sports Network, all New York, all the time. All right, time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Go ahead. Challenge him. Challenge him. Come on. Franks and beans. Scoop of chocolate, scoop of vanilla. Don't waste my time. Can I strenuously object? Is that how it works? Hey, Willie! Ow! Willie! Ow! Give my creation life! Hello there, and welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast, episode number 243. Hi, welcome back. It's season six. It's the premiere. It's great to be back. It is Wednesday night, September the 23rd, 2015. It is 10 p.m. It is time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast. Hello. That is a very long intro, but it's great. We have so much to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the Mets. Matt Harvey, not pitching. Cespedes, the stretch, 10 games left. Can they hold on? The phenomenon of the other shoe dropping. Why are Cal and I hiding under our covers, waiting for it to drop? We'll talk about it. And then we have to talk about the Yankees, too. The Yankees in a pennant race. They're just like regular old baseball teams, other baseball teams. They go through pennant races. We're going to talk about that. Cal disagrees. And then there's football to talk about. Football season has started. We're two weeks in. Holy cow. Jets are 2-0. Giants are 0-2. But let's pump the brakes, everybody, on the Ryan Fitzpatrick honorary Jet Day. Let's, let's pump the brakes on putting Ryan Fitzpatrick in the Jets' ring of honor, shall we? And also on burying the Giants. We're going to talk about all of this on episode number 243 of Radio Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Hi. I'm one of your hosts, Steve San Pietro. We are live from Comac, New York, Freehold, New Jersey, and Newtown, Pennsylvania. Hello there. Welcome to the show. I am uh, Steve San Pietro, also known as San Pete. This is season six of our little show, episode number 243. And uh, what would it be without, you know, technical difficulties? So we're still we're waiting on Cal to be able to come in from the rain. Cal. 
That's that's the guy I'm talking about. He's not able to get in the room yet. Cal. But hopefully uh, we can. That's he's still him. Also him. Uh, we have a ton of New York sports to talk about tonight, um, and other stuff. We are of course joined by uh, the bishop as well. Cal hopefully will be in the room uh, momentarily. Um, not physically in the room. Not a seller of a <laughs> seller of rats. Any rat seller. You're turning um, into Joe Franklin now with the Caden. I am. I am. I am turning into Joe Franklin. And the other thing about it is, I just quoted the unbelievably obscure "The Ruddles" for everybody. So starting off season six with a bang, quoting <laughs> "The Ruddles." I, uh, of course, am one of seven people who have seen "The Ruddles," a great Monty Python spoof of the Beatles. By the way, I might add. You know that though, Peach. How are you? How are you, man? Of course, the trousers. <laughs> the trousers uh, were quite tight. <laughs> quite tight. Oh yes, I see. If you, yes, you I see. see. Yes, of course. Everything. Yes, I see. Yes, yes. Lie. I understand. Shame. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on. Yeah, we're referring to a, a fantastic mockumentary made with the cast of Saturday Night Live, old Saturday Night Live, called The Ruddles. If you're a Beatles fan, go check it out. Peach, how are you? We are back from hiatus sabbatical. Hiatabatical. Thank God. Yes, or just thank scheduling. I'm giddy because uh, I don't know if you, you can look tell. giddy. But there's, <laughs> yeah. there's, new, there's new equipment in the studio. PJ got all new podcasting equipment. It's very oh. exciting. Oh, man. It's very, very excited. Oh, there man. Guy, there was a guy behind me in the music store. He's about our age. And he's just looking at me. And uh, I, I buy this microphone. And it's a really groovy looking microphone. It's called the Bumblebee. So it's like okay. yellow and black. And it's it lights up. and it. So you're it saying it a, looks like a, a Bumblebee. It looks like a bumblebee. It doesn't look like a microphone. Sure. And the guy behind me is like, it's like, it's like uh, he's my little brother or something. And we're, you know, we're both in grade school. He's like, well, what, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> what's like, uh, I what's all this podcast. about? Podcast. <laughs> you can do a podcast? You know how? Yeah, everybody does a podcast. Did you tell him that? Uh, actually, he was there to buy a microphone for a podcast, and I talked him into Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> exactly right. Uh, well, welcome back, buddy. It is uh, great to have you back, and, and uh, we have some exciting stuff coming up this season. We're going to have a whole bunch of new guests. Um, you sure I'm not too basic? This, this is basic. You're not, you're not too basic. I think you just want to say basic. Basic. As in, as in count. Basic. Um, no, it's, it's going to be a great season. Uh, we're back for season six in December. It'll be six years of us doing the show and, um, super excited, uh, to be here. And speaking of excited live from Comac, New York, let's welcome this guy in the co-host of the program, the yin to my yang, the salt to my pepper. That's P P P E P P A. Mr. Brian Calniva, Capino Caliente. Hi, Brian. Hi, Steve. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Good. Welcome back. Thanks. Are you... <laughs> this is the part where you say it's great to be here. It's great to be here. You, I wasn't even supposed to be here tonight. 
What is up, man? What is up? How's, how's it going? It's going Cal. good. What is what's what's going? On? It's been we've been on um, hiatus sabbatical, hiatabatical, right. Hi, 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 hyannisport. We've been in hyannisport. Well, it was fun. Nice summer up there. It was lovely up in hyannisport. We came back and we're like, uh, era, it's time for ready to unload with Gal and Sam Pete. <laughs> Let's uh, we're, talk we're about the Mets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're back. So how's it going? So what, so what did I miss? What did I miss in the first eight minutes of season six? PJ got some new equipment. PJ wasn't so even supposed was to one, be here. It was. Uh, he's here. He's here. Wow. He's in the room. He's in the room. It was. Uh, it was once again tech talk with Cal and Sam Pete. And PJ. We no, have he got a new microphone. Way. He got a new microphone. It's called a bumblebee, and it li- apparently it lights up. That's terrific. It is. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'd great. be a heck of a lot better if the Metropolitans hadn't lost tonight. Yeah, what are you going to do? Oh, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to panic. I'm going to okay. completely panic. Too late. I've already <laughs> panicked. Um, we have a ton of New York sports to talk about. I was talking a little bit about how we're going to have some new sponsors this year. Gotham Sports Network, a bunch of guys who started a blog uh, not too long ago, Bri, that you and I have been reading a little bit. Uh, some good stuff on there. Hopefully we'll have some of those guys on to talk about their current articles. They write about the Islanders, the Rangers, the Jets, Mets, Yankees. They have it all covered. They have some um, opinion stuff and pop culture stuff, which is really great. So uh, happy to be working with those guys. Um, some stuff to come with them for sure. And of course, uh, Gun Hill Brewing Co., Cal. There are, yeah, there, are boys. there are boys this year. Yep. They're boys to men this year. Um, so Terrific. they are going to... Uh, <laughs> it's terrific beer. Um, we're going to do something with them, maybe do a live remote with them uh, in the winter uh, up in the Bronx at their at the Gun Hill Brewery, sample some of their oh. beers. We'll probably, need, we'll probably need a weekend for that show. All right, cool. <laughs> That'll be like, uh, uh, what, what is it, uh, Weekend in Vegas? What was the, uh, the Nick Cage movie? Weekend, weekend in Vegas. Weekend at Bernie's in Vegas. Right. Bernie in Vegas. That's a totally, that's a totally different movie. Honeymoon in Vegas is another Nick Cage movie, but a totally different tenor, I feel like, than Weekend in Vegas. They're all the same. Uh, you think? <laughs> oh, no, we lost Cal. Sugar. I don't know why he dropped. Hopefully he'll call back in. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Everything was going so well. Go. Nick Cage movies, yeah. go. <laughs> no, I'm not doing this. We're going to talk about sports. I'm going to launch into it with or without him. I don't care. <laughs> We're sticking to the format, although I will throw out Fast Times at Ridgemont High, obviously the first time we all saw him. There you go. What's he credited as in that movie? Do you remember? Uh, box number one. He's credited as Nicholas Coppola. Or Coppola. Right. Oh, right, right. Still carrying the family name. That's right. Yep. Um, anyway... Yes, he is. We'll talk Nick Cage movies. Maybe we can talk about those in the fun mode, buddy. You think Nick Nothing Cage runs into Jason Schwartzman at uh, at picnics? Uh, yes, they do. <laughs> Schwartzman talked about this on on his WTF. I mean, on his uh, yeah, on his WTF. He talked about how were. you know the family the family get-togethers and they're all surrounding like classical music and stuff like that. And they're they're a fascinating family. Those Coppolas. I want to be not one to be, of them. 
You want to be one of them. <laughs> well, I want well, to be one of them. You eat and drink like they do. I want to be one. Yeah, I yeah. buy the wine. All you need is all you need is a vineyard out in Freehold. Any chance of growing grapes back there? Uh, anything once. How does one become an honorary Coppola? I don't know. I have nothing. I, I, have nothing. I stumped you. It starts with the <laughs> eyebrows, I think. It does. Everything starts with the eyebrows and being it's, very hairy. Right. Very, very hairy. All right. Well, we're hey. going to go into the into the uh, into the sports, and, uh, and hopefully, Cal will be back momentarily. It's I will take the lead. Uh, all the sound cues are working. So, check off. Sound cues are working like a charm. Boy, you just sent a picture of this microphone. You're not kidding. You think I'm all these Christmas right? trees? That Come thing on. is ridiculous. I'm going to post yeah. that on the episode page. That thing is ridiculous. Well, I said it was $400 because my wife was in the room, but it was $2,600. <laughs> the minute she walked out, you're like, it was $3,200. <laughs> I, I dipped into Lily's college fund. Shh. I left the about buying... three and I walked home. She was... I rode a bicycle home carrying the carrying the bumblebee. <laughs> Um, all right, go do sports. Goodbye. I, mean, I love you. That's okay. Um, so we're going to do sports. Cal will be back in here in a second, but I'm going to get us going. Um, there's so much to talk about. We've been away for about six weeks. And um, in that time, the Mets engaged, engaged, embarked on one of the more improbable sort of runs in recent history for this team. And so we've been watching it. Brian and I have been watching it on a nicely, on a nightly basis. And sort of in lieu of doing a show, because we knew we weren't going to be able to do a show for a while, we've been texting each other furiously while watching these games. And every one of these text conversations basically evolved or devolved, depending on your point of view, into a show. <laughs> so, I mean, there was like an ebb and flow. It would go on for two and a half hours. There would be, you know, a moment where moments of very strong disagreement, moments of um, hilarity, trying to crack each other up, like all sorts of every which way you could possibly um, uh, watch a ball game as if we were sitting there with each other doing a show. So one of the interesting things that came out of it is we disagreed a lot. And and Cal, when, once he gets in the room, uh, will be able to uh, to speak to this, but there is a pervasive paranoia among Met fans. And I've had this conversation with a few of them besides Cal um, as the Mets have gone on this run. So Cespedes went crazy. They had the sweep against the Nationals, pushing their lead to seven games. Um, Improbable, down seven to one in game two, come back and win that game. Kirk Neuenheis, who's hitting all of 185 on this season, hits an improbable home run off Jonathan Papelbon. I mean, just these great moments. And at the end of that three-game series, that three-game sweep against the Nats, I, I, I was exhausted. Like, I was thankful that they were playing the Braves because, I, and Cal was too. Like, we were basically met fatigued and just exhausted. But going back and forth, after that, uh, during that Braves series, it was still, when is the other shoe going to drop? There's a sort of 
you know, post-2007, you know, stress syndrome that Met fans suffer from. And, you know, most of it is because most of that stress is from 2007. If the Mets had never gone through 2007 and 2008, Brian and I would be enjoying this a great deal. But we're not yet. So as they went on after that sweep, and I think I think hopefully Bry's uh, in uh, back in the room. Are you there, buddy? Yeah, we'll try it now. Yeah, that's working, and you're at a phone number, so hopefully this will this will stick up. What's up? Uh, we went right into the sports. Uh, let me bring you up to speed, my friend. I was just talking about the fact that we watched all these games, and basically, since we were on hiatus and knew we weren't going to do a show, we wound up doing these little mini shows while we were watching the games. And they had they had everything. They had disagreements. They had us trying to crack each other up, the busted chops, like everything that we would do during a show, we did during these games. And um, I was just right. talking about how I had sort of met fatigue after the NAS series, after the sweep. Um, and that leads us to, uh, I was just talking about, and I want to get your opinion on this, Bri, because we're going to talk about a, a, a couple of Met things, but I was talking about this with Brian from work today. If 2007 and 2008 hadn't happened, how good of a time would you be having right now? Like you, you, you'd be talking about the Dodgers. You would, you would, and yet, and yet you can't. And neither can I. And so I, I can't, of course you can. This, Why can't you? I, I'm not comfortable doing it. I'm still not comfortable doing it. Well, okay. So then you, you just won't. Because you can't. No, I, I, I won't because of, oh, I certainly could. But I won't because of 2007. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's, it's, it's in my head. You know, it's still in my head. So I wonder, let's start here, Bri. They lost tonight. The Nats are in the uh, the ninth inning, right? Unless my phone is failing. Um, where are you with this team? <laughs> There's now ten games left. The magic number is uh, six and a half, pending the outcome of this game tonight. Where are you? Well, the, well, the lead is six and a half. Or the, the lead is six and a half. I'm sorry. The magic number is six, right? Where Where are you, man? Um, where, where am I? It's, uh, I, I, where am I? It's, it's I not know. really, it's, it's not a real great feeling with this team right now, unfortunately. Um, I don't, I don't like what I've seen. Uh, I was, I was worried about what I've seen over the last week to 10 days. It's, it's happening. What I, what I was afraid of. Um, but uh, there's no use getting upset about it anymore. It is what it is, you know. Well, have a, uh, no, go ahead. No, I was gonna say. I, you know, Ronnie Darling said something interesting this morning, Bry, that the team they're two and what two and six now in their last eight or two and seven. Two and six. Two and six. And. Two and six in their last eight. The team seems to have fatigue. Would you agree with that? No. Like they expended so much energy no, during that run that. that was unsustainable that they are just like struggling to get to the finish line. Or do you think they took the, their foot off the gas because they thought they had it made? Yep. 
I think that's exactly what happened. But again, I'm not going to argue with Ron Darling. <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> I don't recommend but that. From what I, from the way that it looks to me, is that they took things for granted, and as, right. as did like 90 percent of everybody around the team took it for granted. Yeah, took their uh, took I'm, their foot off the pedal. The, right. uh, they lost control of the car, and now they're starting to panic that they can't get this control back. And that's what I'm right. seeing from them right now. I'm seeing, I'm seeing uh, tightness out of them. Terry Collins suggested that they were tight last night. David Wright was extremely defensive about that and said, no, they're not tight. Well, he's lying because they're tight. And if you watch any right. of the game tonight, they're tight. All right? If you watch the way did. I, I watched a lot of the approach that ninth right. inning, yeah, he's tight. Right. He's choking right now. His team is choking. Right. So, but there's nothing, we, there's nothing we can do about it. This is, they're either going to choke it away or they're not, and they're going to make the playoffs. Those are the two options. Right. Well, let's talk about how they've, they've gotten here. Um, because I was talking about how they went on that crazy run, Bri, and it was an insane run. It was unsustainable. Um, that doesn't excuse them. I, I agree with you somewhat. I think fatigue plays a factor in there somewhere. Um, and I also think their pitching is stopped. Right? So they, you know, DeGrom has not been uh, himself. They've had to pass him in the rotation because his, his arm is tired and he's he's at an innings limit. Syndergaard's at his innings limit. You know, Matt's uh, pitched well, thankfully, which was good in the in the Yankee series. Um, and Cologne pitched really, really well again tonight. Nice through a great game on Monday night. Um, but I think they expended so much energy. That run was unsustainable. That said, right. that said, they did take their foot off the, off the pedal. They did start taking stuff for granted as evidenced by Dan Murphy, not knowing how many outs there are in the game, you know, against the Braves in September, you can't have it happen. You can't, you cannot have it happen. Well, you can so, you have taken these games for granted because the 90 lost Braves are rolling in, so we just have to show up on the field and, and we're going to win. Right, and throw our hats on every, the field. That is how every single person associated with this team, in the locker room, in the media, the fans, that's how everybody approached this series. But didn't everybody. we... There was no okay. worry about this series whatsoever. None. But didn't we talk about the idea that if they acknowledge 2007 and the collapse, it's like a catch-22. If they acknowledge it, they're asked about it all the time, they're, they acknowledge it and say, yeah, you know, that, that sucked. We're going to try to avoid that. You know, but they acknowledge it you know, or even remotely say that it's in their heads. Right? Don't they, they run the risk of, of – you know, sort of ma- making what? the Nats, you know, letting people know that the Nats are in their head, et cetera, et cetera. And, and they, they start playing tight because they acknowledge that it's out there. And if they ignore it, and if they ignore it, everybody knows it's in their heads and they play tight anyway. So it's like a catch-22. Like if you, you say, no, no, we're loose, we're loose, we're loose, everybody can see you're not loose. You know, so I, I feel like it's a kind of a catch twenty two there with the two thousand and seven. And the only guy on the team is right. He's the only guy. This has nothing to do. This really, quite honestly, has nothing to do with two thousand seven. It has to do with two thousand fifteen and the way they've approached the the last three weeks of the season. 
nothing to do with 2007. Last three weeks. Let's try the last 10 games. The last, last three weeks. Well, they, they swept the well, Nationals, well, and they won like eight of 10. Well, if you let me finish, I'm talking about the last three weeks starting from this week and then the last two. I'm oh, not okay. talking about the last three. I'm talking about so the, the final three weeks. So the three weeks that we're in. <laughs> so the week we're in and the two weeks coming up. Yeah. Right. 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 Well, okay. So <laughs> okay. There's, there's three. How do you feel about the way they approach week one of these last three weeks of the season? How'd that work out for them? Well, I think the I think the easiest way to talk about it is what they did with Matt Harvey. I mean, it's it's there's never a more perfect segue into the Matt Harvey discussion. How they're treating these last three weeks? Are you saying the last three weeks start with uh, so they 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 sweep the Braves? They come up. By the way, the Where Nationals just four? lost. Nationals just lost. Four? Magic number is five. So, um, everybody's happy. Everybody's- the, well, no, not everybody's happy. Um, I'm just uh, just reporting the facts, man. Um, they started with the Marlins series, right? So they come home to play the Marlins. They lose two or three there. Then they have the Yankees. They lose two of three there. Now they have the Braves. They lose two of three there, right? So they're three. So they go three and six on this homestand, right? And I think, by the way, they handled Matt Harvey. They told you everything you need to know about what they think of their standing. And then the way they skipped Jacob deGrom. And then the way they, uh, you know, started Logan Verrett, you know, in a, in a big game. And uh, I, I think they're taking these last three weeks lightly. I, I, do. I, don't, I, don't, I don't disagree with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. I don't know if they're necessarily um I don't know if everybody on the team's taking stuff for granted. But isn't this also corresponding with Cespedes just stop stopping hitting? So they essentially have stopped hitting. I mean they look uh, when he doesn't hit, they look a lot like the ball club they were for the three weeks, you know, before they got him. Everything's in three weeks tonight, by the way. Yeah, it's been. Um that's well that's one week. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but Cespedes has stopped hitting. So have they. Well, he did have three doubles the other night. And they won. And they won. <laughs> right. He goes 0 for 4, they lose. Mm-hmm. I mean, look. The the entire Matt Harvey situation is one of the things you and I have gone back and forth about. We've gone back and forth about the idea of um, them limping into the, I, I feel like I feel a little differently than you in the sense that I feel part of the limping is because the pitching hasn't been good and they've stopped hitting. I don't th- think it's necessarily that they're taking the games lightly. You watch, you watch the games, right? You watch all of them as much as you can, right? Yeah. Okay. Have you noticed? Cause this is, this is something that I've noticed very, it's, and it's been very obvious to me over the last week as they continue to lose game after game to these uh, second division teams, other than the Yankees. Well, the Yankees are not a second right. division team. Right. No, but they um, just played nine games against, and six of them were against second, you know, second division teams. Right. So my point is, um, what I've noticed, and I, I'm, I'd, be, I'd be curious to hear your take on this, look at the dugout these last nine games. 
as opposed to the dugout in the nine games before that. And what do you see? Well, what I see is guys not up on the top step, sitting back on the bench, dour faces. Um, some guys not even in the club, in the, in the locker, in the dugout. They could be in the clubhouse. Certainly, th- there's not 37 men in, in the dugout anymore. When Juan Uribe hits a home run in Atlanta or, or Cespedes hits a home run, there's 20 guys on top of them pounding them on the head. And when Bartolo Colon is pitching tonight, you know, there's half of that in the dugout. So, so why is that's that? A red flag. That's a red flag to me. But what do you think they're doing? I, 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 think, I think they're just getting, they're just getting wrapped up in this. They're not taking it very seriously. And then they jumped, they jumped out to an early lead last night. They jumped out to an early lead tonight. They, they, don't, they don't have any inclination to put a team away, whether the team is good or bad. They always score early. If you watch these games, they're always scoring early. And then it's like, okay, we're good. And they just coast the rest of the way. Until the other team catches them coasting, takes the lead, and then they scramble and panic and get tight to try to win the game. That's what I've seen out of the Atlanta series and the Marlins series. Not so much the Yankee series. They won the game on Friday against the Yankees. If they're, playing, that, if, they're, if they're playing tight, who's their manager? Terry Collins. Right. What's his reputation? We're playing tight, so what are you saying? Because I don't want to suggest saying anything. I want you to say it. I'm wondering if there's a correlation there. Could be. I'm wondering if there's a correlation with other Terry Collins teams that we've seen that he's managed in the past in September's, where uh, you know teams wound up playing tight, teams wound up playing badly down the stretch, like the Astros, and I'm wondering. I'm wondering if 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 he is wound tight or, you know, if he is keeping these guys, you know, it, 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 keeping these guys. Juan Uribe was keeping everybody loose, right? He was keeping the whole dugout loose. Everybody was having a great time. Everybody loves Juan Uribe. Getting T-shirts for Giannis Cespedes. Everybody's having a party. It's a party. Pre-game, he's, he's dipping Kahlua <laughs> in his jaw. Everybody loves Juan Uribe. We're having a, we're having a huge party with him, Right. Now, all of a sudden, they lose two out of three to the Marlins, two out of three to the Yankees, and now two out of three to the Braves. Everybody's tight. So what happened? Nobody's in the dugout anymore? What happened? Do they think they have this wrapped up? I think they do. I really think that they they honestly believe that this is not going to be a problem. Is that an ignorance thing of the youth there? I mean, none of these guys have ever been in a pennant race except David Wright. And Juan Uribe and Kelly Johnson. No, 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 no. But I'm talking about there's a lot of guys in there. But I'm talking about in that clubhouse, this team. Right? Yeah, you you know, Kelly Johnson, Juan Uribe, uh, all but Cespedes has been in the playoffs, David Wright, Granderson, a lot of veterans. But there's a lot of kids, too. There's Lucas Duda. There's Daniel Murphy. There's Travis Darno, There's Harvey. There's DeGrom. There's Syndergaard. There's Matt. There's Familia. There's a lot of, lot of young guys there that have never been here. There's Ligaris. There's Flores. There's Ruben Tejada. 
There's a lot of young, there's Conforto who's 12. There's a lot of young guys that have never been there. Mm-hmm. Are they taking it for granted? I don't know. I don't know the answer to this question, Bri. I, well, I, I'm not saying I'm you're, you know you. Well, you're speculating based on really good. You're speculating based on really good evidence. Because you're absolutely right. And you know, it also let's just let's just say it. It also doesn't help to have twenty thousand people in the stands. I mean, yeah, because you know why? Why? Yeah, why I do know why. Because everybody wants to go to the clinching game. That's yeah. why. Well, that's not happening now because they're going on the road. So everybody yeah. that was getting ready for the party this week, uh, party's canceled. Sorry, go to Cincinnati. Go to Philadelphia. Party, party city deck is closed. Yeah. I had a buddy that uh, sat out there last night. He said it was great. He said it was really good. Where? In the Party City deck. The Party his City deck is full last night. That's what I'm saying. He, his brother, right, his brother put together like a, a group for it. No, I'm just, this is an, as an aside. I've never sat out there. I didn't know anybody who had sat out there. Yeah. And um, and he said, it was, he said it was great. He said like they take great care of you. You know, it's not a bad, he said it was a really good deal. And it was like cool. a cool place to watch the game from. I got to imagine it's like the picnic area, the old picnic area. A little um, bit, you know? Probably, yeah, not as many people, I don't think. No, he said they he said they could put like 100 there. Yeah, there's a party. I feel like the picnic area was more, but but it's probably the same. Oh, area. the picnic area was definitely more. Without did you go to the picnic around. area a lot? Never. Never sat there once. You did. did, did. Shut up. Never sat there Shut once. Shut the front door. You never sat those, in the picnic area, Shay. All those years that all you needed was a Pepsi can to get in, I never went. <laughs> I, just, I never had possible? an interest in it. Hundreds of games at Shea Stadium, not once in the, in the, wow. in the, in the picnic area. Yeah. I feel shocked. Yeah. Pepper needs new shorts. I feel shocked. You sat out there? I did. A few times. Yeah. Right, probably, probably ten times, ten, twelve times. A couple times as a, as a kid, a couple times as an adult. I didn't know many and, people uh, where I could be part of a group to go sit out there. Right. The adult the one I kind of, the adult one I kind of latched onto. You know who I sat out there with, Cal? All the all the Long Beach guys. Oh sure. When Evan first started. Uh, hanging out with them, all those guys, you know, Billy Long and and Eddie and all those guys are Met fans. I don't know yeah. if Eddie is. Is Eddie? He is. Yeah, he's Met Yeah, Jimmy and all those guys are Met fans, and they used to, you know, you know, those guys can put together a group of guys. Really? And uh, yeah. Avalon and everything, and they they would have like thirty people out there. So I went a couple of times. Went to a Met Yankee game out there, the game where Matsui hit the two home runs. Sure. Nice. Nice memories. It was cool, the the, yeah. the picnic area, because it was the only time you could sit in fair play. Well, not that's not true, but it was the it was the most in fair territory you could sit. Uh, yeah, that's true. The upper deck, you could sit in. Well, not in the upper deck, in the in more in the loge. In, in the, the loge, you could beat it to, to the right or left of the foul pole. Yes. Right, and then the mezzanine had like. Uh, but, it, but it was limited, right? Like I sat in the picnic area. I was like next to the apple. Yeah, you you're sure like you, you home run territory. You were like in you were like in left center. I as a kid, I went there because Uncle Vinny uh, 
uh, had um, like group things with work. You know, I think another time Uncle Tommy and the Supreme Court office, <laughs> I got a lot of uncles, the Supreme Court officers had like a, you know, barbecue thing or whatever. It was like an event thing. Anyway, uh, put the party closed. <laughs> put away the streamers. Yeah. So last night, and I, 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 I would imagine you saw the tweets from the seven line. No. Admonishing the fans for leaving the game early last night. Okay, so it was a. I'm not really. I got. I got to be honest with you, Brian. I got to be completely honest with you. As 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 you, one of your best friends, right? We're like brothers. The only Met fan I'm really talking to during this is you. I'm not like really on Twitter. I'm not. I'm not doing. You may, doing want, to, you may want to go I'm find doing a different it. fan to talk to. No, I, I told you. I I, I told you. I know we've been going so back here, and forth in these in these text battles, you know, and, and you know, you sort of being on the negative side, and me, I told you, I could be as as negative as you. Are. I feel that in my gut, but I'm I'm fighting it, tooth and nail. I am fighting that temptation, tooth and nail. And I feel like we're helping each other, Bry. I feel like we're helping each other. Yeah. Get through this. Tell a, I'll tell you a story. I was I was extremely extremely negative, and I completely bottomed out on Sunday night with the Yankees. That was, that was, that was, <laughs> that was your, that was your weekend in Vegas. That was my honeymoon at Bernie's. I was completely <laughs> done. Honeymoon at Bernie's. Not even, not even, yeah, that's really good weight. Very good weight if you want to go to Bernie's for your honeymoon. Right, right. Very cheap. <laughs> but you got to be out by noon. The next day. That's it. They, they, That's the rule. Well, yeah. I need to move I want to see that movie. The, uh, All right. Go ahead. No, well, when they took Harvey out of the game. Right. And then, of course, there was the error by Murphy and the error by Wright. And right away, before the Yankees even put a run on the board, the game had changed. The feel of the game had changed. Everything had changed. Harvey was out of the game. The life yep. was completely stuck out. I watched Beltran two runs, and I yep. shut the game off at 2-1. Texted me and said, it's over. I'm going to bed. I shut the game off at 2-1. This is a, this is a first In the sixth team. inning. In the sixth inning. On September 19th, I shut the game off to 2-1. to one. Yep. I couldn't deal with it. I woke up the next nope. morning and saw 11-2. to two. So, I was right. Shut the game off. You made, you made the right choice there. <laughs> As it turned out. But I you felt chose crappy about it. Wisely. Right. I, 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 felt, I felt awful about it. I'm like, what is, what is going on here? Well, what's going on right. here? What, why, why am I? Yeah, I'm, I'm worried. And, and there's a lot of things that I'm not happy about with this team. But why am I getting so worked up about it? So what I did was. I stayed off the grid on Monday. Yeah. I checked in on the score. They won on Monday. That was that was nice. Yesterday, I went to the game. Yeah. Decided in the afternoon, like four o'clock. So you know what? Screw it. I'm going tonight. I need to just go to a ball game, and forget the negativity. Forget fretting about what's going to happen. What could? I'm just going to go and watch a ball game. And that's what I did. By myself, 
I don't care. I'm going to find my child. There's no problem with it. I need care. I need care. I, I, I sat, I, I went and got uh, the cheapest seat in the park, which was a great seat, actually. It was put me right behind home plate in the upper deck. I was watching the game. They jumped out to a lead. It was, it was beautiful. It was nice. It didn't, it didn't really go the way I had hoped it would go, but I didn't even have a problem with the way that the game went last night. I, just, I, needed, to, I needed to go to a baseball game and watch baseball and not worry about innings limits and not worry about uh, who's resting and, and who's got a dead arm. And I, just, I just needed to watch a ball game. You needed a ball game. Me. Yep. Yeah, and, that, and you know what? That helped me more than anything. So tonight, they, they blew another game. And they're doing all of the things that I said that I think that they're doing. But I don't care. I don't care. The magic number went down. It's five. They're probably still going to win this division. I, I'm, I, I cannot get wrapped up in the negativity anymore. I can't do it. It was, it was ruining me. I stayed, I stayed out of becoming emotionally attached to this team for like 130 games. As long as you could. As long as I possibly could. And then they went and they swept the Nationals, and they won all three games that came back, swept the Nationals. They left you and no choice. That the Monday game, that, that Labor Day game against the Nationals, that first Monday game, they had just lost two or three from the Marlins. The lead was down yep. to four. The, uh, one of the pitchers I hate the most in Mets history was going to try to extend their season, their lead. <laughs> and, and wow, somewhere, somewhere Charlie Paleo just sighed. And said, John Neese, John Neese, if you're listening I'm to this. I'm off the hook. Yeah. Somewhere Doug Sisk just cracked a beer and said, I think I'm free at last. <laughs> what did he say? What did he say? Um, Axel, you're good. That game Don't worry I about watch, it. I couldn't, even, I couldn't even watch that game, and I drove everybody in my family crazy. I was sick to my stomach. I'm like, the lead's going to be three. The Nationals are going to be right back in this. They're going to sweep that series. Then the lead's going to be one. And I was furious at everybody that was counting the Nationals out and giving the Mets the pennant. I was, I was, just, I was a mess that day. A mess. You, I they can up, confirm that. Winning, yeah, I was a mess. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was washing dishes during that game. And Nice did exactly what we said he was going to do. And Nice did exactly what. Uh, I mean, that I game was go- that game was going exactly as we predicted. Yeah. Exactly. But they and then all game. of a sudden, they, they decided they that the it wasn't going to go this way, right? And then they won the next two games. Now they've swept the Nationals, and now it's that Thursday night against the Braves, and they go out there, and you you tell me you you tell me why in the exact same spot in, in two separate weeks. Two weeks ago, they go out and they could have laid an egg in that game and nobody would have blinked an eye. And they didn't. They went out there and they beat a team that they needed to beat. And they showed some killer instinct for once. And they took care of business. 
And that, yeah. more than anything, convinced me that this team was finally for real. And that, was, and, and that, on whatever date that was, September 9th, it took me till September 9th to finally go all in on this team. Right. And then a week later, they go to, they go to sleep. They, they figure they got it locked up. We got a nine-and-a-half game lead, 18 games to go. What could possibly go wrong? Take it easy. Foot off the brakes. Bases loaded, nobody out. Pitcher on the ropes. Let's pop up at the first pitch we see. Let him off the hook. And then go lose six out of nine. Yeah. That's frustrating. It's frustrating, but I, I got too wrapped up in all of that negativity. I got too wrapped up in it. And, and it affected me, and I, I took a step back, and I said, this is, this is stupid. 41 years old. <laughs> I, can't, I can't be. Well, before, letting this... before you swear it all off, I have a couple oh, more mess things that we need to talk no, about, no, 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 and one no, of them is, is extraordinarily negative. And it's fine, and we can, and we can do that. But my, my point is I'm not I – can't, I can't, like, obsess over it. No, I agree, Brian. I agree. Cal, that's you, you are now. You're now where I where I have been this whole time. You called me out on it. You said you're just so damn negative about everything. And I was like, well, I just, I, I, I just felt, everything. I just felt terrible that you, you couldn't, you, you didn't seem to be enjoy. I, I mean, well, I shouldn't say I, I was enjoying it either. I wasn't. Just there just seemed to be no enjoyment from baseball. I mean, hey, look. Like every 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 batter that they didn't get out, I was bitching about. Every at bat, <laughs> I was down to, in that Yankee game. I was down to every at bat. I had a, I had something negative to say about every at bat. <laughs> it was it was it was pretty rough. I just went to bed. Good thing. I good thing I have unlimited data or unlimited tech. Because <laughs> <laughs> every hitter that came up. Uh, then, it, then it started getting it started getting pitch by pitch. Every pitch. Um, no, but here's the thing, though. I was. I think you are now where I have been, and that is euphoric after the sweep, and then the sweep of the Braves, and really all in with this team, and then, but still underlying fear, fear, like almost to the point, like the Marlins series, I didn't watch a lot of like check in on game day and stuff like that. Like I couldn't kind of watch because, because I'm afraid. afraid it's because gonna happen. It no, because I'm afraid because in the back of my mind, two, 2007 and 2008 are, are, are still there in the back of my mind. Yeah, I, ne- I never had any fear. I just wanted people to not take everything for like, just, 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 let's slow down, like slow down, slow right. down. See, mine has, mine has right. nothing to do with anybody else. Anybody, anybody outside of, the baseball itself, right? Like the the game itself, I was the games themselves. I'm waiting for the snowball to come rolling down at the team, and it was and snowball? it was you know, very small. <laughs> it's right. Sorry, snowball. Can we just make it a little a little bigger than that? <laughs> just a little bit. The boulder, um, boulder. Colorado, no boulder. A snow boulder. An actual boulder coming down the hill again. No. Although, but that's what we're waiting for. And, and, and I hearken back to 07. If you remember that, Brian, they had a seven-game lead with 17 to play, <laughs> right? I have no recollection. Think, 
I think you remember that. Here's my point. You know how many game lead it was with 13 to play? It was three. So it's not yeah, like it's you, not like it, it's not like they slowly lost that lead. No. Like they no. they 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 had no. a seven game lead with seventeen to play, and then they turned around. And they had a three game lead with thirteen to play. But why? There's no, 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 no. It's, it's it's not a matter of why. Or we could go into that. No, 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 no. There's, there's, no, there's a very there's a very specific reason that plays into this year and why you would be worried about it. When that happens, they have their Phillies games now. And then they lost all three right. to the Phillies. This time right. they have those national games at the end of the series, at the end of the season. So it's the same thing. Right. And that's what that's what I've been telling you all along is that it's not really a seven right, but game lead; it's a four game lead. Right, but that's not my concern. My concern is because the games are dwindling down. What I wanted to see them do was maintain this six or seven game lead, no matter how they did it, and get down to like ten games regardless of those three games, I understand what you're saying. And I agree with you. I had this discussion with somebody else. Okay. It's not a six and a half game lead. It's a three and a half game lead because, because you're, you're talking about the Nats being in control of their destiny. If the Nats can get it to a three game lead with the last three games to play, they're in control of their destiny right now. They don't right now. They don't have control of their destiny. The Mets control their destiny solely. If the Mets win five more games, the Nats can't do anything about it, right? It's math. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's a three-and-a-half game lead. But that, that wasn't my point. My point was, in 07, it went from a seven-game lead to a three-game lead in, like, four days. Right. You know, that hasn't happened in this scenario. So I started to get – even though they were losing to a three, losing to a three, losing to a three, that hasn't happened because the Nats are not the Phillies that year. The Phillies that year were won like 22 of 27. And I, I'm not saying the Nats are a dead team, but the Nats, as they have been all year, are a flawed team. They lost their ace. They're banged up. No Zimmerman. You know, Papel Bond's their closer. Storen's now out because he broke his hand. Like, they're a flawed team. They have a terrible manager. You know, they're not going to be this flawed next year because he's not going to be the manager. You know, Strasburg is, is, has been, I mean, uh, uh, Scherzer has been hittable. Like, they're, they're just a flawed team. Put it to you this way. They're not as good as they were supposed to be by any means. No, everybody says that. That, that said, still nervous. Still a little nervous, and I will be until, up until, and if they clinch. I will be. I'm sorry. I will be. It'll be at one game, the magic number, and I'll still be scared because that happened. If that had never happened, we'd be talking about the Dodgers right now. Now, we got, we got, a, we got a couple minutes left, and I have to talk about this, Brian. I have to talk about the Harvey thing. I have to. Oh, please. Because it, I'm sorry and, and it took so long to get to it. No, 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 no. It's, it's all part and parcel with this because it is the biggest example of, um, you know, taking for granted where you are. And I do want to talk about the Yankees for a second too, but we got to get to this. There's, there's two pieces to this, okay? Let me ask you about the first piece because I genuinely don't know the answer to this, even with the 3,472 texts we sent each other in a week. 
And that's just during games. That doesn't count where we'd send each other during the day. Do you think the Mets there, – there's two parts of this argument with Harvey, right? So let me give you the first one. And again, don't know your opinion. Do you think the Mets handled this overall, over the season, poorly? In other words, no. they, knew, they knew there was a 180-inning limit. It was set in spring training. They didn't do anything. You know, they, they took very small measures to deal with it, but they didn't, they, they weren't blindsided when Boris came out and said it's a hard innings limit. They, they should have probably they say they were st- right. But do you believe that? Yes. Or do you think what's the, you know, in July when they're, you know, uh, 48 and 49, we're not going anywhere. So what's the point of pulling him for three weeks? And then he makes the trades, and then all of a sudden they go on a ridiculous run and win, you know, they go like 31 and 13 over their next 44 games or something like that. You know, do you believe in the blindsided? Do you think that Boris said, no, it's a hard limit? And they thought, wait a minute, no, what do you mean? Like, do you think they were blindsided by that? Could they have handled it? Should they have handled it differently? Well, I'll tell you what, if. I have to choose who I'm going to believe in, whether it's Scott Boris or Sandy Alderson. I'm going to choose Sandy Alderson. Not yeah, I, I would too. Scott Boris. So I, be- I, I believe. Too. I believe not. Not necessarily that, that they were blindsided by the number 180, because I'm sure that number 180 has been talked about for a long time. They said I it. I think they were blindsided. Sandy Alderson said it in spring training. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they were blindsided by the comments. I'm, I'm sure they weren't expecting Boris to say anything in public right now and, and, and right. create a problem. Right. I think, I think that when they talked about it in spring training, they optimistically thought that they would be playing for something at this point in the season, but they didn't realistically believe that they would be. Right. So, so that, that negates starting him in like a ball and letting him pitch like once every you know, seven days and then bringing him up in like June. So you, you know, you yeah. limit him to 20 starts or whatever, you know, uh, yeah, or, no, or I, 25 I, I, starts or something like that. I think, I think that the plan that they followed all year was the plan that they intended to follow all year. I don't think they did anything differently from April until the end of August. Right. The only wrench I think that got thrown in there for them was mass getting hurt. Because I think as the season was going on, they really would have liked to have gone to a six-man rotation for like six or seven weeks. Yeah, I think, I think Matt's getting hurt and Dylan G exploding into just a disaster. Right. That wasn't supposed to because happen. That, Dylan G right. Was supposed to be part That's of right. Team. You're absolutely right. And Dylan G could have been that sixth starter to get them through. The, right. He was supposed to be six the or seven starter weeks. until they could get Stephen Matt's up later in the season. That's right, and then you and then you you if you do that, if that plan goes through, Cal, we're not having this discussion because they probably pick up three starts. They probably pick up three starts on Harvey. Maybe, they probably then, say if, is, so. Well, three starts, six then, innings. You know, that's say six innings a start or seven innings a start in there. Yeah, that's twenty twenty five innings. 
Well, listen, we're gonna we're gonna have to have this conversation another time. Probably in the off season would be a good time to talk about innings limits versus pitch limits and how ridiculous yeah, their and the junk science on that. As Ronnie yeah. Ronnie Darling says all the time, and I love it. It's it's complete junk science. Yeah, but we'll talk about that another time. But um, yes, you go, you go back to you go back to the beginning of the year in May and June when they were going to a six man rotation, and Harvey's complaining about going to a six man rotation. Here's the here's the other piece of this. So. If the this Mets, is what I do. This, this is what I do. I'm a segue man. Um, yep. <laughs> you Joe Blues. This is this Honestly, is the I'm other piece of this. <laughs> Imagine you're doing the whole show going back and forth on a segue in your living room. I have been. Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. Do they even make segues anymore? Um, listen, listen, Paul Blart. Let's just move on. So. But that's the other piece of this. So if the Mets knew at the beginning of the season that it was around – it was 180 – and that's not a number out of thin air. The reason is the year after your Tommy John surgery, you're not supposed to throw more innings than you've ever thrown before. You're not supposed to set a personal best. That's the idea, right? Matt Harvey's most innings ever threw in a season was 178. That's the 180, okay? Right. You're especially apparently not supposed to do that if you haven't made your money yet. But we'll move on from there. Right. So like Wainwright is always the example on the other side, but Wainwright, A, was, you know, got paid $11 million the year he had Tommy John surgery was making or 9 million was making 11 million the year he came back. And B, his innings high was 232. The year he came back from Tommy John, he pitched 223, including the playoffs and World Series. Uh, Or they lost in the playoffs that year to the Giants. Um, But anyway, so that's the 180 number. But let's just say the Mets are told this. Right, and maybe we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They weren't told it's going to be a hard limit, right? So then they start mapping out their plan, and they say we're going to go to a six-man rotation at times, right? Because we want you to be around at the end of the season if we're playing meaningful baseball in September, Jeff Wilpon. Right? So they go to a six-man rotation. Who's the first guy bitching about it every time? It's Matt Harvey. Right. Now, is his, is his agent doing that? No. We didn't hear from Scott Boris then about, you know, uh, Matt, oh, you can't do that to Matt. He's got a pitch on regular rest, blah, blah, blah. You know, anything out of his agent, anything out of the doctors, the Mets are trying to do the right thing, and he's brushing against it, bristling against it, not brushing it really so much. He's not walking next to it. <laughs> I know. So, when, they, when they brush a horse's mane. Like right. slowly and yeah. moving off into the distance. <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> so you have that piece of the puzzle where Harvey's sort of a hypocrite because he doesn't want to save innings. He wants to go out there every fifth day and he's a warrior and he wants to pitch for his team. And now okay. we get to now we get to here. Now we get to Sunday night. Six-game lead. Now, so, question. We're giving Sandy Olsen the benefit of the doubt. They didn't know it was a hard innings limit. The decision to pull him came from above. Terry Collins said it through management under the bus and said, it wasn't my choice. Right? So the Mets are, and the front office are, going along with Boris and Harvey. Yeah. Are they doing that because they want to save him for the postseason? 
potentially. And then is he going to, if they make it to the postseason, is he going to pitch five innings? He's going to be a five-inning pitcher? He's going to get 60 pitches in a postseason game? Tell you what, take that game, take that game Sunday night, Cal, and make it game one of the NLDS. He's not coming out. Two nothing Mets, fifth inning. He's thrown seventy-seven pitches. I don't think he's coming out in the playoffs. You don't think so? I don't. No, I don't. Do you think he's not coming out because the Mets are not taking him out, or because he? Demands to stay in. I think... Because there's a big difference there. I think from the moment this all came out, when Bars opened his mouth, and then Harvey spoke the next day, I think from that point on, everything that happens with Matt Harvey is a decision of conversations between Sandy Alderson and Scott Boris. That's it. Could be. I don't think I don't think Matt Harvey has a say in it. And I don't think Matt Harvey has a say in it because Matt Harvey is choosing to not have a say in it. Right. I he could he could choose to. He could he could have stayed I, in that game on Sunday, Brian. He absolutely could have, but he's choosing not to. He's leaving it all How up to look your teammates in the eye, Brian. How do you do that? Who said it? Somebody how you, said. How, how Darling, you, how Darling has said it a bunch of times. Keith said it no, a no, bunch no. of times. No, no, no. Somebody, I, I forget where I read this or heard it or whatever it was. Somebody said Matt Harvey pulls him. Well, Matt Harvey doesn't fight to stay in that game after five innings on Sunday night. And he walks into the clubhouse. And on the other side of the clubhouse, he sees David Wright, who played for with a broken back four years ago yeah. in meaningless yeah. games because he didn't want to take himself out of the lineup. Yeah, a broken back, right? And everybody's so, answer to all of the and and somebody said along the same lines. Somebody said he's playing with spinal stenosis. Yeah. Going back to what you said, your question. I'm, it's I think it's 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 Alderson and Boris are making these decisions. So everything that happens has been signed and off Harvey's on letting joint, them. And Harvey's letting them and and. Say what you want about Terry Collins, but this poor guy is just having to suck it up so he can keep yeah. his job. Oh, I, oh, I, oh, I, I do feel badly for him in that scenario, Brian. I, did, I, I mean, felt terrible want, for him on Sunday night. I did. Yeah, I mean, I you felt absolutely terrible for him. He's beside. He had himself. absolutely no choice. Right. He, he's beside himself, and I don't blame. And him he's an old. For the comments that he and made. he's an old school guy, Brian. He's an old school guy. This must be killing him. Yeah. It's got to be killing him to watch these guys. DeGrom, somebody said, well, it's okay for them to skip DeGrom. DeGrom has been ineffective. DeGrom has a tired arm. You don't think for a second they didn't skip him last night because uh, it's just a, an innings count or anything or a pitch count. Well, but that's there, why there, was something wrong. there was something wrong with him in his last time. start. What's right, that? That's DeGrom. syndergaard has been pitching fine, and then they skipped him. Yes. It's an innings limit with so, Syndergaard. I get that. But Syndergaard is right. not Harvey or DeGrom. He's not. No. He's not. But he's, he's also younger he's, than them. He's younger than them, and he hasn't had the surgery yet. Right. Both those guys have. 
Do you think, um, like, when Zach Wheeler walks in next year, he, like, holds the door open for Cindergard and says, okay, go ahead, your turn. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a like deli counter. <laughs> so Zach Wheeler goes and gets his cold cuts, and when he's done, then it's Cindergard's turn. Yeah. Oh, man, right? what a shame. Dude, hey, I hope – look, I, no, I have to finish this, and I'm going to say this. That yeah. – that, and and I was the one who said initially when all this came out, remember, Bri? And you took me to task for it a little bit. I said, Harvey's in a bit of a no-win situation because he hadn't made his money yet. And right. I'm not saying and he's I making the like, right decision, but he is in a no-win situation because you're talking about life-changing money that he might potentially right. make, right? And I totally agree with you. The idea that he throws 185 innings and his arm falls off is ridiculous. But when's enough and how much is enough? And if you were sitting on a golden ticket and the doctor said to you, hey, look, if you do this, you risk the golden ticket getting torn. I don't know. I'll go with that. Torn is good. So there you go. Yeah. Right? The guy's made $1.6 million in his career as a Major League Baseball player. You know, it's easy for us to say, go out and play. That said, that's why I said he's in a no-win situation. That said, go out and play. Go out and play. Otherwise, and and Francesca said it yesterday, and I loved it, and it was spot on, because a guy called up and he's like, what would you tell your kids to do, Mike? He said, first of all, don't bring my kids into this. It's an entirely different scenario. (laughs) He said, if it's my son... It's an entirely different scenario. So don't don't bring my kids into this. I'm talking about as a player in that clubhouse because the guy suggested, what if Harvey just goes in and says, guys, I'm shutting it down. The advice of my doctors is to shut it down. And I want to pitch with you guys for years to come. I want to be here for years to come, but I want to be healthy to do it. And got to understand, you know, there's a lot of money at stake here for me. And I, you know, I'm shutting it down. The doctors advised that I shut it down. And Francesca said, without a beat, Callie goes, I'd trade him the next day. He'd be out of, he'd be out of, he'd be off my team so fast his head would spin. That's those are his exact words. He said because I because I, I don't want him. Well, Mike, you can't respect that. He goes, I respect it all day long. I don't want him on my team. Go pitch for somebody else. And he's so right. He's so right. And then he brought up the point, and I totally agree with this too, Bry. And I haven't heard anybody say it because people were talking about bridge deals in the offseason. Say you make them an offer for like four and 70, right? right? And you say, and that takes you to 30, and then you get your big contract. And he goes, and Francis says, is that enough? Am I going to get your best effort now? How much is enough that you pour it out for me on the field? Or are you going to say to me, you know what? I'm three years away from the really big money. How much is enough? What's your price for pouring your guts out for me on the field? And he's right. Absolutely right. So that Sunday night is when I lost it after you had gone to bed. I think I got it in like right before right before everything fell oh, off. Yeah, no, you did, you did. I got it. I, there was a lot of expletives in there and stuff, and, and I, I, I lost it because it's the Yankees on Sunday night with two weeks to go in the season. You have a chance to – to, to wrap up a division. You haven't won anything yet. 
There's 45,000 people in the stadium. My thing there... You can't pitch two more innings? That's two more my innings. Answer. Your arm's going to fall Bing. off. Two more innings. Bingo. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, two more innings. Two innings. You couldn't. You couldn't go to 100 pitches in that game. Couldn't go to 100 pitches. Two more innings. Hell, give me one more inning, even. I'll take. I'll even take. Get me to the seventh, and then I'll Just go. Get me. To, get me to Addison Reed. That's right. Get me to Addison get me, Reed. Get me to the seventh inning. That's that's all you got. Throw one more inning. That's it. That's one it. inning. He was at 77 pitches, Cal. It wasn't like he was at 110 pitches. He had 77 pitches. And no, uh, and no effort to try to stay in that game. How can you look at your teammates? How can you do it? I got news for you. Now, that's, I, okay. That's part, well, no, I'm going to say that's part of what's going on with this team right now. I, I agree. I don't, care, I don't care what anybody says. There's a pall over this team right now because of this. Yep. Since Sunday night. Totally agree. Totally agree. And there has been since it came out. And he went and pitched like crap against the Nationals, and they bailed him out. Right. And then right, you know, right talking to him the next day. And I mean, but and I, now I'll say, I, but... I'll say this, Brian, those guys in that class too are businessmen. They are. I bet you there's a healthy amount of, there's a healthy amount of understanding, I bet, in that clubhouse. Those I, guys are businessmen. I, I agree with you. I think there's a healthy amount of understanding and an yeah. equally amount of disappointment that, crap, we're so close to this, and now we're not going to have them. Yep. I totally agree. But they understand. I can totally be that, see that being the sentiment. Right. Right. So they don't, so they don't necessarily hold it against him personally, but they're That's really right. bummed out now that they're not going to have their ace. That's the that's the catch twenty two, and you know what I uh, I said this I I'd put him in the bullpen I would I'd say fine you you this is this is your your innings limit you're my fifth inning guy if somebody gets in trouble how many innings do I have left I have six innings left with you okay you go in the bullpen you'll never start a game in the postseason now what happens and then you're I, gonna go out there and pitch. Going to pitch the first three innings in Cincinnati on Saturday. Yeah, he's going to pull. Him. Yeah, and he's going to go throw for another half hour in the bullpen. Which is the stupidest thing I've ever heard, officially. Which was the plan. And, I've, and, I, and I, I, I say this with a, I say this with a long history of hearing stupid things. Right. That's, a, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You've stamped that official. Officially, <laughs> it's officially marked the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's got a feel of authenticity on it. You've got it notarized. <laughs> PJ just came in and, and notarized it. He did. With that green visor. <laughs> he's either playing poker or he's notarizing things. I can't tell. That's right. The green visor indicates you're either you're either notarizing something or you're playing poker. Or you're a banker in like <laughs> you're a right? like what's that? Yeah. You're a now does he have the before. Right. Does he have the sleeve garters on? Uh no, he's wearing a suit. He's wearing like no jacket, obviously, but he's got a oh, he's got no, a I'm sorry. He's, got he's, a, he's got to have the sleeve garters on. I think sleeve garters. Think so? And he's mustachioed, obviously. Well, I think that goes. I, mean, I think I think that's I think that's fairly obvious. All right, are, are, are we good? Are we good on the Mets? Yeah, sure. 
We'll see what happens. Well, Good I mean, luck. we just, we just, yeah, we just got to see what happens. Yeah. I refuse, outright refusal on this, this uh, sports talk podcast type program to talk about them in the playoffs or anything to do with the playoffs until they're in the playoffs. Well, you're the only one. I, I told you, but I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about everybody I else. Don't I don't care. care. I All right, last I, question. I, Final question from me to you on the Mets, and then I'm shutting the Beatles it down. Beatles song, what, <laughs> like Matt Harvey. Question? I don't remember that. <laughs> Obscure Beatles you song. You got Rubber Soul. Final question. On I don't soul. remember that one. That's that's, okay. that's a B side to My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean. I was thinking more of the from I, me to you. I was thinking it was My Body Lies Over the Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Whole different song. Right. That's my body. <laughs> my body lies in state over the ocean. It's very, very the legal time, song. The, ne- the next time we get together to do this little show type thing that we do, right? Sure. I don't know when that's going to be. I'm assuming sometime next week, maybe. It will be sometime next week. We're on the flexible schedule uh, program right now. Oh, that's right. HR approved that, right? They HR, HR stamped that. By the way, they did not stamp the $2,600 microphone that PJ bought for the show. Did not stamp that. No. No. We, uh, <laughs> not approved. The Appropriations we, Committee. All I know is we have no. to work on Columbus Day now because of that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thanks, PJ. I was supposed to go pumpkin picking that day with the family. That's right. Thanks a lot, PJ. Thanks. Yep, we'll Enjoy be we'll be clocking in. <laughs> Enjoy your bumblebee, your fancy your fancy light up microphone. Did you see the picture he sent? I saw it. You could drive to Tampa what in that thing. Twenty six hundred. He got ripped off. That don't look like twenty six hundred dollars. <laughs> that looks like a the picture does not do it justice because it looks like a Fisher Price microphone. It does look like a Wesley, like something I got for yeah. Wes, like I mean, uh, Fish, Fish, Fisher Price podcast. I my first podcast. <laughs> my first podcast. I I have no doubt, knowing PJ, <laughs> and and the audiophile that he is, it is top of the line high tech. I have no spared no expense. Yeah. But in looking at that picture, I feel like I wouldn't want to knock it off a table. <laughs> no, I don't think it would survive a fall off the table. Yeah. Baby's baby's first podcast. <laughs> New from Mattel. My first podcast. It's a rattle also. You go to you sleep with it in the crib. It's a rattle. Right. It's a rattle. And it's a podcast uh, equipment. Baby has a podcast. Maybe Um, your first test for equipment shouldn't be knocking it off a table. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was like stress testing. Let's see how this thing does when I when I beat the crap out of it. Oh, I what is how it sounds? Oh, look at bro. <laughs> how many megahertz? Doesn't matter. Can it survive if I throw it against the wall? <laughs> I dare you to knock um, it off my shoulder. I dare you to knock it off the table. All right, let's wrap up the sports. No, um, I have, I'm asking you this final question. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My bad. Okay. Why are you yelling? 
more <laughs> angst. See, let me finish. The, the, Can I finish? By the time we get back together to do this show. Yes. Episode podcast, two of season six. Right. Right. Episode 240, what would it be, 247, 248? 244. Okay. By the time we we sit down and talk to each other on episode 244, the Mets have clinched a playoff spot by then. What is your feeling? The magic number is five. Yep. Okay. Between now and next Wednesday, they have seven games. There's no days off. Yep. There is a day off Monday. There's a day off Monday. Sorry. They have Thursday off, right? They have tomorrow off. They play tomorrow. Four games in Cincinnati. Oh, no, they have Monday off. Monday, Monday off. Um, seven games. Washington has eight in that same time frame. Yes. There are 15 possible outcomes in the next week, five of them have to go our way. Do you think the Mets will have clinched a playoff spot by the time we speak next week? It's a simple question. Any good answers. If you made a cheese, Jesus. Um, that was part B. <laughs> uh, my understanding is math. Um, Seven games. Nats have eight. Who do the Nats play, please? The Nats are going to play Baltimore for one. Tomorrow, right? Makeup game. Philadelphia for three. Okay. In Philadelphia or at home? At home. Okay. Cincinnati for one at home. Right. And then three in Atlanta. The focus groups all said that they wanted to hear the tough questions asked in season six. <laughs> so in, episode, in the first episode of the season, I'm asking right. you a tough question, Sam. Right out of the box. I'm holding your feet. I say I yes. yes. I think the Mets. I think the Mets go three and four, and the Nats go six and two. Three and four, and six and two. Correct. All right. And I, I think that clinches it. I'm going to no say case. yes. We're including Wednesday night in this, right? We're including... The game on Wednesday night. We're including the game on Wednesday night. Yeah. That's right. So by the time we finish speaking next Wednesday. No, it would be by the time we go on the air. Not necessarily, because the national they could have clinched. Right, they that's could, true. You could still be going on. They could clinch while we're on the air. They could. Imagine. What? If, what do we do then? I'm gonna spray uh, Wesley with beer. <laughs> no. I'm gonna wake Wesley and Casey up and pour uh, O'Doul's on them. Uh, I'm gonna let right, them well, go crazy, you. crazy with cider. Listen and juice. Thank you for your honesty. And you can expect okay, questions uh, like that throughout. Cal, same question. 
I'm going to say yes. Kinky. Give me uh give me the give me the specs. I think they're going to go 4 and 3. All right, sir. And I think the Nats are going to go 7 and 1. <laughs> so both of us have them barely getting there. Yeah, and the reason why I think I I'm saying yes is because I can't even stomach the thought of it not being done by the time the Nats get here. Well, the Nats get here that Friday. That Friday, right. There is, so there would be one more opportunity the next night. Right. Right, because the Mets have 10 games left? The Mets have four in Cincinnati, three, three with the in Philadelphia, and then three at and home. Then, yeah. so they, they, they have seven games to make, make five. All right. So got to go. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Do you want to talk about the Jets at all? Do you have? Do we have time to talk about the Jets? I don't. I don't believe we have time. I believe we have to get I to mean, the fun mode. Ho hum! The Jets are two and zero. What's there to talk about? All right, fine. We can talk about the Jets for a minute. Um, <laughs> go ahead. No. One thing. One thing. Talk about. I, it, all I wanted to say was uh, two very good wins, and the biggest thing I like. I'm gonna make this really quick. Biggest thing, uh, biggest like, that that win the other night in past years would have gone to Rex against Andrew Luck. His scheme, he outschemed him. His brilliant blitzing, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, I'm gonna ask whereas, another tough question right on the heels of it. Whereas, do they win that game in past years? No. Not the well. No. There's two things there. I have to say, Rex had to rely on scheme the last two years because he didn't have much talent or as right. much talent as this defense has. Um, but it didn't matter. It was always about Rex's scheme, and Rex was the star. Rex is the star of this defense. When you when you talked about the Jets' defense, did you say the Jets' defense or Rex's defense? You said Rex's vaunted defense. Correct. With this team. And the way that Bowles is setting it up, that performance the other night was on the players. It was on playmakers. Darrell Revis, Calvin Pryor, Mo Wilkerson, David Harris had a monster game. Nobody said a thing about Bowles' scheme. Or how he out-schemed Andrew Luck. He out-foxed Andrew Luck. Good. Because you know what? Players making plays is sustainable. Right? Talent is sustainable. I'm talking over the course of a season, not over, you know, course of forever. That's not to take anything away from the game planning that Bowles did and some of the play calls that Casey Rogers had on the defensive side. I thought they called a very strong defensive game. But it's about the players playing in the system. The coach is not the star, and it's nice. You know who's the star of that team? Dewell friggin' Revis. Who is, yeah, he is so so fun to watch again? Ah, oh, I missed him so much. It's so nice to be in love again. You know, you know what else was nice was how infrequently they showed Todd Bowles on the sideline. Yep, and when they do, same face, same expression. Nothing's gotta, moving him. Nothing's bothering him. He's always. I haven't quite put my finger 
on that smirk that he has on his face, and I can't quite figure out what it means. Uh, but I love confidence. it. I think it's confidence, right? I think it's complete confidence. But not, but not, it's not cocky. Not arrogance. It's like, I got this under control. Yep. Right? That's the that's what I was just going to say. It's an, I got this. Or a, collectively, we got this. And if something you know, like goes my, wrong. My coaching staff, okay. right. Yep. Yep. I'll tell you what, two games, halftime adjustments. Those are nice. Now, what I don't like. Stop calling Ryan Fitzpatrick a game manager. Stop. Because we almost got Fitzpatrick out of that game. And you and I talked about it when they signed him, Bri. He's a great backup. He would be super for three or four games. And I'm not saying I want him benched or Gino to take over when he's healthy. I, I don't. If they're winning, keep winning. But you saw things in that game against the Colts, and Joe Cap on turn on the Jets pointed them out in his review of the passing game. And I was really glad he did because it was the same kind of thing I saw. And it's the same kind of thing we saw when he was the quarterback of the Bills. And I saw it live. He doesn't take what the defense gives him. The Rams, the Bengals. Yeah, but especially the Bills because I saw saw him live a bunch of times. Well, that's true. And And he's putting up 23, 24 touchdowns, decent seasons, but he's not a game manager. He tries to force the ball down the field and he makes a lot of mistakes. He doesn't take care of the ball, and he did it to Marshall. He had it was a third and nine. He had Decker open on a curl in the in the soft zone for 19 yards. Would have been a first and like first and goal at like the 14. And he forced the ball to Marshall. You know, third and nine on another route. He forces the ball to Marshall deep. He's got Blau power and a sprint out. Like I don't mind if you check down. But the but you need to check down in that game. Intermediate routes were everywhere, even when the Colts started to cut them off a little bit. And the point is simply, I wish, I hope he turns into the game manager everybody seems to think he is. Because if he can, he could be really successful with this team. He could. But he's he's not a game manager. He's an athletic guy who does a great arm who tries a lot of those that he can't make. Is he getting checks his body can't cash? <laughs> Sorry, I put that out there. And for goodness sake, the other- can you can you put some athletic tape over your wedding ring, please? Please? I appreciate that you're playing with your wedding ring on. Oh my goodness. Come on, guy. He's committed. Committed. He looks he looks like a come on, with the beard and everything. Just come on, please. Put a glove on. What if he was wearing appreciate- a calculator watch also? Well, he went to Harvard. Does he have a problem with that? Does he get a pocket factor? <laughs> so instead of like like having the quarterback towel to wipe off his hands, he's he has a like pocket a pocket. Protector. Protector. He's got a pocket protector on his belt. He went to Harvard, Cal. That means he must be a game manager. No, no, no. no. What concerns me is that he started ninety games approximately. In his NFL career, yeah. Is that about right. Yeah, at ninety, he's he's twenty games under five hundred in his career, and he's tw- and he's twenty turnovers over games started. He's got about one hundred and ten yeah. interceptions, but he's got more touchdowns Look, than interceptions. So, yeah, he does. It's like one twenty-seven to like one fifteen. Yeah, I mean it's more. 
it's more than less. But the, the bottom line is, let's let's again, again, and again, let's and maybe I'm just old. Maybe I'm just old, and that's what's happening. In my 41 years of this, maybe I've just gotten to the point where you want to be a fan. And you want to get ahead of yourself because it's fun to be a fan and to get ahead of yourself and to think positively and to think, hey, this could be this. But I just keep coming back to the fact that let's not throw Geno Smith out completely right now because right. he isn't Joe Namath. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Right? Let's, uh, everybody, just, I, I hate using this expression so much, but pump the brakes a little bit here. With the, He's the best quarterback they've Namath. Yeah, come on, everybody. Did you hear who the MVP of this team is? <laughs> Ikea Kampali? Oh, MVP of the team? we're knocking out Gino. Right, right, right. right. That's a good, do you good get one. it? I do. No, I, I don't do want to – but you know what? I don't want to get too negative. They're 2-0. Oh, two good wins. The win, That was a great win on Monday night. That was really one yeah, of the better wins on. that we've seen in the last couple of years, right? Here's one, here's one really quick. How many times in past years after – Colts make it 10-7. They have all the momentum, right? How many times in past years, A, the offense doesn't answer because of either conservative play calling or or just inefficiency on the offense, and now it's pretty nice to have a guy like Brandon Marshall to throw the ball to. I bet you somewhere Mark Sanchez is going, really, seriously, Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker? Really? You couldn't? Nobody? Um, they marched right down the field. They didn't even have a third down on that drive. No, so they answered they immediately. Would, Never happened under Rex. He would have taken the air out of the ball and tried to run the ball, run four minutes off the clock, and let his defense go out and win. That's A. Right. And B, after they scored and made it 17-7, <sighs> excuse me, after they scored and made it 17-7, how many times under Rex would the Colts have come right back down the field and scored? Right back down. A lot. And in this case, quick. <laughs> Quick, right down the field and scored. And in this case, Bolas' boys got a turnover, and they picked him off, and that was the game. Yeah. So a lot of characteristics that we saw under Rex, not so much there under Todd Bowles early on. Big, another big game this week, another huge test, because the Eagles cannot possibly be as bad as they're playing. They can't be, right? No, and, they can't and, be, right? No. I mean, the Eagles, they're not going to want to go 0-3. No. You don't come. You don't really come back from zero and three too often in a season. Nope. And it's it's a you big. Know? It'll be a big test for the Jets. But I love this defense, Cal. I love this defense, and that's my point on Fitzpatrick. He's played really good. He's played really good. How's that? But I want him to become the game manager that everybody thinks he is. If he becomes, he can start all sixteen games for me. If he can take checkdowns and not force the ball downfield or not stare down Brandon Marshall and say, I'm getting you the ball, when you've got Eric Decker wide open or, you know, guys underneath, a, you know, Anua was open on another one, like, just become that guy and you'll win. You will win. You know, right. what, what's one of the – just my last thing on this is – Yes. What's one of the biggest complaints we've had about this team – over the last number of years, specifically when Mark Sanchez was here. It affected Sanchez. It affected Geno Smith to a certain degree, too. What was, the, what, was, what was our biggest complaint about the coaching? Well, mine was always the, the beatdowns in practice. Okay. 
What I'm second what biggest I'm complaint. About, <laughs> okay, that was yours. Mine. Yes. Right. Is that they never put these guys in a position to succeed. That's right. That's you're absolutely right. Right. Yes. Right. They and that's part of that's part of the practice thing. That's part of the practicing. The beating them down oh, in practice yeah. is not putting them in the best absolutely. position to succeed. Absolutely. Doesn't put them in the be- in, in the best position to succeed. They they try to shoehorn them um into a system that they shouldn't have been shoehorned into. They didn't right. they didn't they didn't buy systems based around the strengths of these quarterbacks. And we've seen that and all under Rex Ryan for years. That's what we saw. So regardless of what we think about Ryan Fitzpatrick and what we fear he could do if if, right. if left to his own devices, he's at least in the best position of any recent Jet quarterback to succeed. That's absolutely true. Whether, it's very right, true. Whether he does, whether he does or he doesn't, that's that's not the point. The point is that's on him. They put him in a position. Yep. Exactly, and they're helping him, and and he's familiar with Chan Galley, and he's familiar with the system, and they put yep. weapons around him. They've given him tools. You know, it's he's in a spot where, okay, here you go. We're going to help you be the best that you can be. Let's see what you got. Kind of refreshing. That is a uh, that is an excellent point, Cal. Seriously, that's a fantastic point. You're absolutely right. And they were trying to do the same thing for Geno Smith. It's a coaching staff, and Bull said it. He said our goal is to put positions, put players in the best positions to win. Anytime he's asked about like a guy's status, who's starting, where are, they, are you going to use this guy here, it's just to put, put putting players in the best position to succeed. Yeah, no, spot on, spot on. Hey, you want to do a. Uh, you want to do a fun load here or what? Sure. Shall shall we? Okay, that's all the time we're going to Yeah, that's all the time we're going to do for the sports. We're going to do a little bit of a fun load, see how long uh, uh, we have PJ for. It might be a real quick one, but anyway, go to uh rtusports.com. You can uh subscribe to the podcast there. Of course, go to gothamsn.com. Go check out the Gotham Sports Network. Um and uh, check out all the good content that those guys have there. And uh, go to GunHillBreweryCo.com as well. Uh, and check out where Gunhill is being poured if you're in the New York area. It's being poured in a lot of bars right now, and their stout is award-winning. So go check out all that. And uh, Cal, uh, good sports. It was good sports. Good sports nice. I mean, 